This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to the True Blue Eye Podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven, how's it going? That intro was awesome. That, I you heard, actually got to hear it. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. I hear it every time. No, no, that's not true. I usually hear it after the fact because I listen to every episode. Um, but uh, that was, I think that was the first time I've heard it, like, to start the recording. And that that's like a good, that's a good way to get fired up for recording the podcast, yeah. also, let alone listening to it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're trying a new way to record. Uh, please send us your feedback before or after. Uh, it's not, it should improve the sound quality. Uh, hopefully less robotic Eric's in the middle of an episode. Uh, but we'll see. In theory. Uh, in theory. We'll see if it works out. Uh, speaking of working out, except for oh. as of like 10 minutes ago, the Dodgers have looked pretty good. Yeah, we're not, not that we're, you know, um, Broadcasting any, yeah, to say yeah. we're not, we didn't get the express written consent, but yeah, the Dodgers uh, split a double header uh, against the Cubs. Uh, but like since we recorded last week, they've, they've won five of seven. The two of the losses have come, or the two losses have come in the last three games, but uh, still, you know, kind of rolling along still a little bit 22 and eight in their last 30. Uh, they play a getaway game tomorrow, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, that'll be over by before this podcast goes up, but um, generally they're they're playing fairly well. They had a uh, a weird or like a really strong offensive run there for um, the like probably a good three to four weeks, and then um, they've they've kind of tailed off from that. Like they they were still winning like the last uh, they won like three straight games last week, scoring three runs, and uh, then they won the opener. Uh, of the doubleheader against the Cubs with four, and I, I think this is right. They were they had the so since we recorded, you know, like I said, they're mm-hmm. five and two. They scored twelve runs in that first game. Poor Bartolo Colon. Um, um, but in the what in the six games since they've scored, I think it's a um, a total of fifteen. Okay, yeah, yeah, fifteen. That sounds about right. So uh, it's a little bit, a little bit, you know, but that's going to happen, you know. But yeah, this feels more like ebb and flows of a season as opposed to the first yeah. month, which felt like disaster center. So. And, and but like what's held them afloat as the offense was carrying them while they were going through like every pitching injury imaginable. But what's sort of held them afloat uh, of late or the last week or so is that the pitching is like starting slowly but surely to like uh, come together. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Well, do you want to get into that now? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? So, uh, let's want to start with Kinta Maeda. Yeah. Okay. So, like, um, uh, well, this sort of just go. Let's. I mean, this will sort of be going through the rotation. But yeah. So, in today's doubleheader, for instance, um, Kenta Maeda and Rich Hill started. Um, Maeda. This was his second start back. Rich Hill was his first. But since we recorded, we talked about Maeda coming back last week, but he wasn't officially back. Um, but mm-hmm. so those two guys have been activated from the DL um, since we last recorded, um, and actually Hill looked really good. Um, he pitched six scoreless innings. His his like curveball was on. Um, that you know he looked basically like you you would think Rich Hill would look, rather than the sort of. Uh, 
I read a tweet and I do forget who it was yeah. from, but citing some sort of mechanical change. Oh, I think I I saw that. I think it was Bill Plunkett. I think he must have either talked to him. That sounds he right. probably talked to him yesterday um, when they were in Chicago. It could have been over the weekend, but like, um, yeah, like I guess he'll made a, oh in his in his rehab start uh, at Rancho last week. He like struck out ten and in, in just under five innings and. No one really cares about the results, but he just the way the ball was coming out, he was really impressed with it, or Hill was. And so that kind of carried over into tonight. But like Maeda, he's back too. He has not looked sharp. I think they, his sort of activation was more, oh my God, we have to have someone up. Like, <laughs> and so like he was, he had a hip strain, and it was, I think, like in a perfect world, he's not, it's not like, I don't think they're necessarily putting him in harm's way, but he's been like less than effective. He's, he has like eight, um, I wrote it down. I got a lot of notes tonight. This is this is unprecedented for me. Um, but no, eight <laughs> walks and three strikeouts in his two starts uh, over eight and two thirds innings, and he walked five in uh, his career high in the opener today. He, but you know, it was a weird game. Um, the Dodgers trailed um, three to one, I believe, at one point, and then they ended up winning four to three. But um, yeah, so he's looked kind of uh, bad. But it's only been two starts, maybe. It's probably just going to be a time issue with him get sort of getting back to form. But the other news, um, just sort of the rest of the rotation, is that, um, well, okay, so, so since we recorded Walker Bueller, who we knew left with a, a rib thing, he actually went on the deal with a micro-fracture of that rib. So <laughs> I wish the deal reports would actually say what people like. A yeah, yeah thing. just right. <laughs> or if it's like we should go full hockey and it just says upper body or lower body injury. Yeah. Or just, sometimes. <laughs> or the yeah. groin. Like so often it's not groin injury. It's just, or in hockey, it's LBI, but this is just I, groin. Because he's out with I groin. I think too, like um, uh, Al Michaels is known for this in football. Like um, he. He's been announcing for so long, and he's done multi- many sports. He's obviously like, basically like a Hall of Fame announcer. But like, it's funny now because he just, you know, um, you know, uh, let's say Todd. Uh, God, why, why am I blanking on football players' names? Uh, Todd Todd Gurley uh, is out with a knee. You know, like <laughs> so, like he just has the body part <laughs> rather than it's injured. <laughs> like, like you're saying, so he's like famous for that. But it's pretty, it's pretty good. So, yeah, Bueller, um, I guess the Dodgers are on a road trip right now. He's going to throw a bullpen session, I believe, Saturday was the latest report. So, who knows after that? I don't know if they make him go on a rehab. He's still in that, well, hey, we have to remember the question, how are we going to limit Bueller's innings? Well, here's one way. But, like, again, they also <laughs> at the same time also need, like, good starting pitching. So, um uh, but then the big one, obviously, Clayton Kershaw, he's uh, going to do a rehab start with Oklahoma City on Saturday. Uh, he had a simulated game on Monday, and there was some thought that he might just plug right into the rotation. That's what he did his last time out. It wasn't a back injury. It was biceps. But um, And then he went right on the deal right after, like immediately. So I think they're they're being as, as cautious as they can with him. So they're making him do the rehab start first. And then so that puts him – basically like end of next week uh, they have a uh, like a four game series at home against the cubs they're, they're playing the cubs a lot here um and then but then they play the rockies so <laughs> it's either like the, the last game of the cubs series would be like the first possible game but i think it's more likely he pitches like that next weekend against the rockies so he's sort of getting close and, and just to wrap it up uh he and jen ryu gonna also throw a bullpen session this week i still think his timetable is like all-star break or after but just he just the fact that he's throwing uh is a good sign and, yeah, was that a was that a full strength bullpen uh, session? Was he throwing? I don't. Short I don't distance, know. Do I know? don't think he's thrown it yet. Um, but I think it's 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 certainly not. Okay, um, okay. It's not like I, it can't be a full bore one because those are the ones. Well, a he didn't. He used to not throw bullpen sessions in between starts. But I think it's right. more. It, it, well, it could be like it might just be. Let's see what you have. But it's probably going to be some subdued somewhat. And just to remind everybody, he. He tore the groin off of his bone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out He's out right now. As we say. <laughs> <laughs> so the the injuries are not limited to yeah. the pitching oh well, staff. And are not limited to the start to the starting staff. Oh. Like, oh, but no, cool. you're you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Gener- generally, you're right though. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, we're going to be so talking many. about some relievers too. Uh, yeah. So since last week, uh, Pedro <laughs> Baez is went on the DL. He has right biceps tendonitis, same as. Same as Kershaw had. Um, 
Tony Singrani had, sh- had shoulder infl- inflammation. He was already on the DL, but he had a setback. So he's sort of like up in the air. And I think I read too, I didn't put it in our notes, but Tom Kohler, who's sort of been out of sight, out of mind, he had a setback too in his sh- shoulder rehab. So he's like, uh, he's another like guy probably not back till August. I don't know. Um, yeah. So what's really interesting here is like, so uh, a couple of years ago, the Dodgers were dealing all the time, but so many of those felt like little, fina- like little, yeah. little finagling maneuvers. Like, Oh, we can do this. So we will this, none of these feel like that. <laughs> Almost none of these feel like, Oh, we can get an extra player kind of on the roster and kind of keep the bullpen fresh. These all feel like super necessary. I think that's right. Jesus yeah. Like, and, you know, players. they're still going to be the ones where it's like, they are going to play it cautious with some guys and, and like every opportunity they get, sure. they're going to take, but, but especially but with still, it being like, a t- I mean, look, yeah, like yeah. Um, not in all due respect, <laughs> like Caleb Ferguson is still in the rotation. Um, and so, and, and look, yeah. he's, he's, he's like done about as well as you could hope, but you know, yeah. <laughs> My yeah, my my mother and stepdad uh, went to that game, and I got a message: "Who is this? Who who is pitching?" And my my, my mother, a diligent Hello. listener to the podcast, hi mom, uh, follows the team a lot. So when she doesn't know a player, it does mean you know yeah, we're, we're exactly. on we're on yeah, the runs here. I guess the fu- <laughs> her follow up tweet was: "He's not doing very well." <laughs> Wait, was she disseminating uh, information? <laughs> okay, okay, good. Uh, no, I <laughs> hope not. I'm, so the, uh, the, the other so know. with with Baez he makes um, sixteen different players um, to go on the DL this year, including three three different people twice. Um, so like you know the the they've been in the high twenties in players on the DL the last two years, each of the last two years. So and, and the they set an MLB record with uh, uh, twenty nine in two thousand sixteen. So. Um, it's easy to say, look, the season's not half over. They're going to blow past that because these are the key here is different players. So like, it's really hard to get those like other players on the DL. Like it could just be the same guys repeating or just longer DL stints for guys. But um, yeah, it, it, it's been a, it's been an injury plagued year. I haven't like calculated like the man games lost or whatever. There's a site that does that, but like they're, they're pretty high up there for sure. But then the last thing on the injury front, um, Chase Utley supposed to be back like this week. Um, they mentioned Roberts mentioned over the weekend that he's going to be activated during the Cubs series. They've already played two of the three games against the Cubs series, and they have a left-hander going on Wednesday or on yeah on Wednesday. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to activate Utley for that game uh, unless they just want him on the bench, which is certainly possible. But I would say by the weekend against the Mets, he'll he'll be activated. Injuries aren't the only thing. Uh, affecting the Dodgers, especially the pitching staff, uh, just not being very good. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I, I have ha, not to disseminate, but I have today's game kind of on the forefront with uh, Brock Stewart. But you wanted to talk about how he's kind of been going up and up and down. I, I, I would imagine largely just because he hasn't been very good this year. Well, all that and like, um, yeah, because so a couple times he was, um, yeah, it was weird. Like they. I don't know. He he was like stretched out as a starter earlier in the season when like it was assumed that he was like sixth on the depth chart, you know, basically. And then they went like Ross right. Ross Stripling over him, and then it was like then you and you see why his fastball like velocity is down. And that that he, was a thing they didn't like doing the last couple of seasons. They really liked trying to keep Stripling in the bullpen as much as they could, and use Brock Stewart as that spot start kind of guy. Yeah, and like he just hasn't been effective. Basically, so he had that shoulder injury to start last season, and he just hasn't been the the same. Uh, just been pretty mediocre. He was um, so they the Dodgers played their third doubleheader of the season. They were rained out Monday in Chicago, and then when you the, the deal with um, doubleheaders now, it's just been that way for maybe three or four years. I forget when they instituted this, but you get to have a twenty sixth man for the doubleheader. So like if it's um if it's a doubleheader that got scheduled in advance, say like the Dodgers were rained out earlier this year in San Francisco in April and then like three weeks later they happen to be in San Francisco again and that's when the doubleheader was since since the teams had time uh, in advance they were allowed the 26 man for both games if it's a situation like this in Chicago uh, they only allow the 26 man for the second game it's a it's a weird technicality I think the theory is and I haven't really studied why or or like if this is even effective but 
Um, in theory, the home team is closer to its affiliates. I have no idea if that's true, uh, but at least has the ease of being able to call people up quicker. Um, so like if, if you don't, they don't want to have a team have that advantage. So like in theory, so the, you know, that game got rained out the a Cubs minor leaguer who was going to get called up as the extra person, uh, could be there quicker than a Dodgers person for like the first game, which is like a hastily planned thing. And it's a last minute thing. So you understand it a little bit, but anyway, that that's the backstory on the, on the 26 man. Uh, so Brock Stewart was that 26 man for the Dodgers and he, he ended up pitching in um, the second game, which was tied um, going into the 10th. He started the 10th, um, gave up a leadoff triple right away off the wall at Chris Bryant and then intentional walk later and then a single and it's over. Uh, so he got the loss. They haven't announced anything, but he's going back to the minors tomorrow. That's generally how it works. You're up for a day and then gone. Um, but I thought this was interesting because it's the it's the sixth different time this season that Stewart has been in the majors. So like, and and technically, this is a roster semantics thing. He's technically not uh, getting optioned, I believe, tomorrow. He's just getting returned to the minors because it's this weird <laughs> thing where like, if you're they used this as Walker Bueller earlier. Like, if you're if you normally if you've been optioned, you can't get called up within ten days unless you're replacing an injured person. But like this is like a, an exception to that. So like in the middle of your 10 days, you can get called up as the 26th man and then go right back. And it just like pretends like that was a day that does, didn't happen in your option. It's a weird – baseball is weird, man. That's what, anyway. But um, so, yeah. So basically getting sent to the minors six different times this season. And that doesn't count spring training when he was initially sent to the minors. Um, so I looked at it. He, he debuted less than two years ago. It was the end of June in 2016. Um, he was optioned, uh, what was it? Yeah, four times that season and then five times last season. And last season he had the shoulder injury. He was on the 60-day DL till June. And then if you look at it, like major league rosters, you really don't option guys in September because there's no minor league team for them to go to. And plus there's roster expansions. So you're, you you could like basically have a guy on the active roster and just not use him. You don't really have to option him because there's, there's no real roster limits. So, well, there's 40 instead of 25, but um, so basically uh, Brock Stewart has only for effective purposes, he's been like with the Dodgers, like as a, an available pitcher on the 40 man roster for like eight baseball months. And um, he's and this he's been up in the major sixteen different times. So like think of that like twice like twice a month um, since he's been added to the forty man roster when he's been healthy, he gets called up and then sent back down. <laughs> so like that's that's like this crazy transient lifestyle. I mean, but I sure it, it beats like you know being in the majors and not getting called up, right? Like so. It's not the worst. It's it's just something you have to deal with, and that's sort of part of being, you know, sort of making your way. Uh, but then I noticed too, Bravik Valera was the guy who got optioned today when Rich Hill was activated, um, and this that was his. He's been with in the majors uh, five different times so this season. So um, a couple years ago, Danny Colome got optioned six times, and then I remember Blake Dewitt was optioned five times in two thousand nine. I can't remember someone getting optioned more than that. Um, so. Basically, Brock Stewart, Rivik, Valera, they've been riding the up and down yo-yo uh, back and forth from Oklahoma City. And it's been kind of kind of amazing. But it just it was one of those like weird quirks of baseball. Question time. Ready? Absolutely. First question. Brandon Johnson. Long time asker, Brandon Johnson. Yeah, a Thanks, regular. Brandon. A regular. Everyone wants big name guys like DeGrom in hand. But what is one realistic start and reliever you can see the front office targeting? Yeah, so you know that's the thing. Like we always talk about the on uh, the on the offensive side, everyone. Oh, like what about Manny Machado? What about Manny Machado? Like, and so th- those are the sort of ones that are going to be sort of talked about. Brad Hand is under contract. Really good reliever for the Padres. Closer for them uh, has a has a good contract, and so the Padres are going to ask for the moon. Jacob Degrom is basically like one of the top five to ten pitchers in baseball at worst. Um, and so I think uh, I don't have it in front of me with DeGrom, but he's like either I think two more seasons after this under team control. So like you're basically looking at like top of the line type um, type of a deal. But like you said, outside of those guys, uh, I, I did go through and just sort of went like 
Uh, MLB trade rumors had their top 50 sort of trade deadline targets up. I, I perused that a little bit, but then I was looking at it and like like the most um, the the starters to look at. There's really only a couple. Like like uh, they Cole Hamels is on that list, but he makes like 22 and a half million this year, and his option for next year has a six million dollar buyout. So even with like if they get him at the end of July and it's reduced enough to where they can fit that under the cap, that six million dollar buyout gets folded into um. Actually, you know, I'm pretty sure it gets folded into this year's number. So, like, he even without that buyout, he's, like, not feasible from a luxury tax perspective. Um, but also, it's just – it seems far-fetched. So, the two guys, I think, um, are J.A. Happ uh, of, of the Blue Jays, who's making $13 million, uh, also a big number, but can, can sort of be worked with. Uh, I think they could fit that in, the prorated share of that, you know, less than half. But then also Tyson Ross, another – really this depends on how much the – there's going to be a lot of Padres that I'm going to mention, and it really depends on how much they're, like, going to play hardball. Because he, he has um, – he's going to be a free agent. He's on a really cheap deal. So they don't – it's a matter of, like, do they think they can sign him long-term or are they just going to lose him? So maybe he has a little bit of leverage there. But he's only making a, a million uh, – 1.75 million. He has a, a little under 3 million left in incentives, which is basically his number of starts – uh, that's left on his deal. So um, very fees, very easily, easy to add him in. Um, but not sure how expensive he, he could be. He's been, he has a terrible injury history, but he's been effective this year. So that's kind of a guy I could see them on the, on the low key going after. As far as relievers, um, I know people, uh, I didn't put him on my list, but people uh, have equated like Zach Britton as well to the Dodgers, also expensive. Also terrible injury history and just uh, barely coming back from that. But I think his teammate in the, on the Orioles, uh, Brad Brock, um, he's feasible. He has a high walk rate, um, like like over 12%, but pretty effective. He's making a little over $5 million, you know. Um, another, like, free agent to be is – or almost free agent to be, Joachim Soria, which is weird because he was part of the three-team deal that got Scott Alexander to the Dodgers. So technically, like, the, if – Depending on how it worked out, the Dodgers could have added Soria if they wanted him. He's making nine million plus has a one million dollar buyout and a ten million dollar mutual option next year. So, uh, but he's been really effective. But so like he's another guy that it would probably take some maneuvering to fit him in, but they could do it. And then Eurus uh, uh, Familia with the Mets, he's making just under eight million. Been really effective though. So. Um, those guys would take some maneuvering, but I think those are like the the guys who are either free agents to be. Um, those are the most likely, I, you know, I made a list of guys who are like, um, less likely that are relievers, but most of these guys are like guys with like a couple years of ARB left. And so those, they could certainly go after those people. Um, but it just seems like a little more, they might be part of a bigger deal, but like, so just going down the list, John Morosi, uh, 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 MLB network, um, said, Ryan Tapera with, uh, I don't know how you pronounce that last name, but with the Blue Jays, um, there was major or trade interest building in him with him. So he's he's a guy making barely over the minimum, and he has three R beers left. So pretty good numbers, but like, you know, how much are the Blue Jays do they are going to want? And also, is he a difference maker? Like the Dodgers just need like healthy arms, basically. They're I, they're certainly going to add someone probably to the bullpen. Um, but like, I don't know if they're going to go out of their way, and, but some of these guys might be, you know, possible like Michael Gibbons in Baltimore, also three years left. Craig Stammen with the Padres has less of a, um, he only has a two year deal or one year after this year, but he's only making 2.25 million this year and next. So he's super cheap. So the Padres just could just keep him. Kirby Yates, another cheap guy with two RB years left. Great peripheral numbers, really good, um, uh, really good peripherals. Great nominal like numbers too. His ERA is under one, <laughs> so those guys are possible. Nate Jones with the White Sox too. He has an option, and then like two mutual options after that. Um, a little more expensive, but doable. Blake Trinan, he has two RB years left. He's with the A's now. 
uh, Kyle Barclow with the Mariners. I mean, with the Marlins, excuse me. He has three years after this year. Uh, Keona Kella with the Rangers, also three years after. So those guys are like po- possible guys, but you know, that's kind of a long list. But, um, you know, I think those other guys are are more likely. I, maybe it's part of a bigger trade. I don't know. But I think I just think those are sort of see, um, rumored around. The second question, which is the fourth question, uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane <laughs> asks, pretty sure LED, uh, the Dodgers, amongst several other teams, would have provided uh, trade packages similar or better than what Kansas City received for uh, Kilvin Herrera. Do you find it peculiar that Kansas City would precipitate such a trade of this caliber of a reliever? Well, these $10 words he's throwing around <laughs> making me say them. So, yeah, and Roscoe's another one who, who contributes quite a lot to our question, so thanks for that. Um, I On this... Um, I just think it, you know, it really, it takes it, I, my, my, one of my I favorite. Think the, I think the thing, what I've always sort of dug into this is like similar to a degree, but clearly Kansas city valued something high from when the package they returned. Right. Back. Yeah. And so like the, in the, especially in this deal, there were no, there were no um, top hundred prospects among the three guys they got back for Kelvin Herrera. Excuse me. Um, but I just, I was reading from um, Rustin Dodd in the athletic um, it, it, Dayton Moore's quote was, I only know how we see them and I only know how they fit our group. So it's, it's really like <laughs> clubs, like they just, they're going to value players differently than like the consensus sometimes. And it's not as easy of a plug and play to say, um, well, the Dodgers could have set these three guys and they're clearly better prospects and like, but maybe Kansas city didn't see them that way. Um, so I always sort of default back to this, um, I remember uh, one of uh, Dodgers executive, this was probably like a couple springs ago or something, just randomly just sort of shooting the shit a little bit. He said, um, he said, uh, we're talking about trades or something. I forgot how it came up, but he said, there are so there's so there's so many moving parts to a deal. He said, it's a minor miracle. Anytime a a trade actually gets completed, just because there's, it's such a long process. It's not as easy as like, picking up the call and going, what about these guys? Okay, done. Like, yeah, like they're, you know, like that's, and that's in just certain deals, but or every deal, but like, there's just so many things that can go wrong and let alone like matching up on a deal. And so I'm not trying to like discount, like trade, trade still happen, but like, it's, it's not as easy as just saying, well, why didn't we just offer these three? These are clearly better because it doesn't always work that way. And this is a separate thing. And I, I don't want to, I'm not like, calling out Roscoe on this because it's not it wasn't his question's intent and I didn't read it that way but just in general this sort of um sort of evaluation um I I don't like the concept of people trying to or trying to win trades I put that in quotes um because like well you know teams fill it are are different filling different needs right like they're um the Dodgers might need a reliever and they're going to, it doesn't mean you have to give up. You, you like every you shouldn't go into every trade thinking I'm going to give them nothing. You know, someone, nothing that's ever going to, um, uh, I'm going to give them the, you want to, you obviously want to give the least amount possible and, and get the most back. Yes, I get that. But like, it's in, in a, in a working relationship, like, that team should also get something out of the deal. Like, it's just how it works, right? And it doesn't mean, like, you obviously traded a better player. That happens sometimes. There are bad trades, certainly. But, like, just because, like, um, like if a player develops with the new team and ends up exceeding what the, the other team got, that's great. But still, what the team needed at that time was pretty important. And, like, it's just different. Teams are in different spots. Like, it's really hard to, like, um, I don't know. It just, it bugs me. I, it seems like, and like, again, not calling out Roscoe cause it, I'm not, this is not him, but like people who, who generally try to like win trades are like, they just think they're in the cast of the boiler room. And it, you know, it's just like this weird, like, uh, attitude that like, it just bugs me, I think more than anything, because I don't, I don't look at necessarily trades like that. Obviously you want to, you're always trying to maximize. We get that, but like, just you you also have to give up something at times too and and while that someday might like it like if you just think of it this way if, if the Dodgers are a competing team which we think they're going to be they're not they're not certainly not playing as well as they did the last couple of years at this point um, but 
if if they're at a, a point where they're like going for a championship right now, um, they're what they're trying to upgrade. Like those, it's always like the marginal wins, right? Like you're trying to get those extra wins, and like you, you mm-hmm. the theory is like you should be giving up players who to a team that's not that's selling, say that's going to eventually turn into something for that team. Like that's how it works, right? Like it just. It's not like always trying to, oh, this guy, we could lose so-and-so because he's going to turn into this so. Like, that's what happens sometimes. Like, there, and also, there's going to be, like, a crunch of guys they have to, like, add to the 40-man roster. We probably get to this in the, in the second half of the season. But, like, there, there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be a roster crunch coming up. And, like, I think they might have to deal with that in some of these trades uh, at the trade deadline. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, could you go into that a little bit more? What you mean by a roster crunch in the forty man for our listeners who aren't aware of what you mean by that? Yeah, so like, uh, like, and I wish I don't have the list in front of me, but there's like a number of prospects who like have to be, um, they have to be added to the forty man by November. Uh, it's like I think it's like usually the twentieth of November. It's basically if you if you're a prospect who's been in an organization for four years or. Uh, three if you're in college. Uh, I forget if it's four or five or three or four. Anyway, but the the theory behind it is, like, if you're not on the 40-man, you're eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And so th- this is a risk-reward type thing. Some guys are, you know, willingly left off because the team doesn't think another team is going to draft them and keep them on the major league roster, etc. But, like, just last year, the Dodgers added um, – they added Dennis Santana and Trevor Oaks. They ended up trading Trevor Oaks in spring training, but those were the two guys they added to the 40-man last year. It happens every November because the, if they didn't add those, they would have been subject uh, subject to the World 5 draft and could, they could have lost them for basically nothing. Um, so there's a number of guys who they have to add this November, you know, some more important than others, but like, you know, there's always going to be like free agents who depart and stuff. And, but I think those kind of things like – um, add up at like the, there's a certain point where like you know there's a lot of um, players that could who are probably on the 40 man now who could easily be not on the 40 man so I'm not saying they're they're like at a it's at a critical point but if you look at some of the if, just looking ahead um, it, especially if they do bigger deals some of those names might be the ones who get who get traded just because, or players getting traded to make room for some of the guys who are going to end, end up being getting added. It's a consideration. It's not the biggest consideration, but it's just something to think about. Next question from another regular on a roll here, Tommy Blackjack. Uh, with so much starting pitching soon to come off the disabled list, is the team more likely to look at adding offense at the deadline? So this question is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Um, and uh, I would say, um, I still think in ter- I think they're going to add both, <laughs> but like just just given what we're talking about with the state of the pitching rotation, even if with guys like on their way back, they're still going to add pitching, even it if it's just mean they're going to stay. <laughs> right. So like uh, and so, but I so I don't think it's more likely they add offense. I think it's more likely they add both. Like they so like we we talked about this. Uh, uh, they have some flexibility as to where they would add that offense because of like specifically like Chris Taylor's versatility and a lot of other guys. Um, so they, I just think they're going to add both, but I think if you had, if you pin me down and said, what are they most likely to add? I think it's pitching. Starter or reliever. If you think it's only going to be one. Oh, um, wow. Or let's put it as a, what are they going to prioritize? Where are they going to put most of their chips behind? It's a good if you had to guess, obviously it'll depend on what comes there. But who do you, what do you think when it's all said and done? Who do you think the biggest ad would be, early or a starter? Probably a starter. But like, okay. I think if, you, if you, I think they'll end up adding like three guys, like sure. elite, like no, you I, know I what I mean, one of each. Like, but yeah, I, I probably a starter. I would imagine. I guess I'm just looking at if you look at last trade deadline, they added relievers and starters, but the yeah the, the name of the deadline was you Darvish, right? So yeah. Uh, next question from Mike via email. 
looking to your crystal ball, who's starting at second base for Los Angeles when the playoffs start? Look, uh, hopefully somebody. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 what if they didn't? They just <laughs> what a month! What a, a month ago we were talking about who the Dodgers were going to sell at the deadline. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. That's one of those like, let's just have them get there first. So, but look, they they've been incredibly like. Um, stubborn might be the right word or just like they've shown a lot of confidence in guys. It, it worked with Jock Peterson so far. Um, they've shown a lot of confidence in Logan Forsythe. He's my answer. I think it's going to be Forsythe. Logan Forsythe is my answer. Right now he's only hitting um, 219, 273, 328 on the season. And this is after like a relative hot streak. So like, but like just, I just think they like what he brings to the table. He's not going to start every day. He's going to get a lot of games um, against, like, you know, he's off. But he's going to be the regular second baseman, I think. And like, they, like I said, we talked about the trade deadline. They could address that, you know, at the trade deadline. But, like, I just think I, I'd put my eggs in the foresight basket if I'm if I'm guessing. Uh, a second. But, like, I, look, I did look it up. He was three for four with two doubles in the second game of the doubleheader. Today, in his last 26 games, foresight is actually hitting – 299 364 42 um with eight doubles so not terrible actually productive so not saying he's going to do that going forward but it's something and that's with how he's sort of performed at the plate it, you look for anything at this point chad smith wants to know is the national league west now a two-horse race or one of san francisco colorado or san diego get back in the race if it is just a two-horse race, on a scale from 1 to 10, how much of a fight will Arizona put? So, uh, I think it's a two-horse race. The, you know, I, I still, at the beginning of the season, I thought it would, was more of a four, four-ish horse race in that the, the mm-hmm. Giants and the Rockies would hang around. Man, the Giants are, like, going through some stuff, man. Like So, like, just, just tonight, like, Hunter Strickland got mad on Monday because yeah. they blew a 4 nothing lead. <laughs> And he punched a wall and with his pitching hand like an idiot, and he like he broke his hand, and so he's out six to eight weeks. Uh, Evan Longoria got hit by a pitch; he's out like six to eight weeks. So they're they're struggling, man. They're they've been outscored, and they're like still hanging around five hundred. Um, I don't know if they're going to last. The Giants, um, the Rockies spent like uh, over a hundred million dollars, I think, on their bullpen in the offseason, and they're the worst bullpen in the majors. So it's shocking, like, how bad the bullpen is. Like, you could say, look, it's Coors Field or whatever, but, like, they those guys have just been bad. Like, and they, they should be a lot better, and their offense has been bad. Um, so, like, I I just I just think um, it's the Diamondbacks who are going to be the, the main competition. And, and how much of a fight? I mean, come on. They're, the, they're clearly going to be, like, you know, in the race, like the Dodgers haven't even caught them yet. The, the closest they got was like a game and a half. I think the other thing to remember is that as we, we, we've seen over the last few off seasons and trade trade deadlines that Arizona, whether it's explicit or not, is clearly trying to kind of shoot a gap for like, as long as Grinky can keep giving them fairly mm-hmm. good value amongst other reasons. And they've been willing to issue assets to get JD Martinez last year. So I expect them to be aggressive at the deadline. Their names got linked to Manny Machado. Look at oh. that saying his name, right? Uh, uh, I read it earlier today and you know, who, that that could just be, you know, a bunch of smoke and doesn't actually add up to anything, but I think they're going to try really hard these ne- this year and next year for sure. Um, uh, to go at it, so I, ex- I expect a good race that hopefully the Dodgers win. Hopefully, we have a starting second. Also, the also they have a bullpen cart, so they're going to clearly be in until the end of the season. <laughs> uh, final two questions uh, from Twitter, at least, or from Scott Lewis. Uh, the, his first question, very simple: any update on Urias? Yeah, so I looked at him. Um, uh, he, the last thing I saw was in the last week of May, he threw off a mound, and I think that was the first time. Um, but I still, I, I'm in the same boat with Urias as I have been for most of the year. Anything you get from him this year is a bonus, and to expect some, to him to be a contributor is probably far fetched. Like he could come back and be pretty good, but like I think it, this year at best he's like a late bullpen addition in in September, with the hopes of possibly being a playoff contributor. But that's about it. But I think they're gonna they're still taking the long view with him and making sure he's right before he's even uh, considered to come up. 
last question from Scott, and we haven't had a question about this in a while. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Have you heard anything about how AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner could facilitate the Dodgers being back on TV in LA? Yeah, so actually, before I forgot. This, this is the great thing I, about being a Dodger fan in Kansas City, by the way, is I see them <laughs> all the time. Right, and, I, and, I, and I'm someone now, I have... Um, I have Spectrum, so I have the station, so I have Sports in LA, so I see them as well. Um, and then, but before before I answer that, I just forgot uh, talking about all the Dodgers injuries. Um, Brandon Morrow, who was a Dodger last year and is now he signed a big deal with the Cubs and he's their closer. He the Dodgers won the first game of the doubleheader on a Tuesday because um, well not because he just didn't appear. Uh, he he didn't pitch the ninth. Um, because he injured his back um, while taking off pants, <laughs> so that's a, like that's a dodge. Like he's an honorary Dodger, like still in my opinion because of that. So I, I forgot to bring it up earlier, so I just want to drop that in there. Um, but yeah, so the <laughs> the Time Warner deal. Um, so AT and T, um, uh, their merger with with Time Warner um, was like uh, okayed, I think, by the FCC. It was tied up in court, all this. Um, but and so everyone sort of assumes like, oh, well, now that AT&T owns DirecTV and DirecTV is the biggest sort of provider that does not have um, Sportsnet LA. And everyone's assumed, well, now that, you know, um, AT&T has Time Warner and then it was Time Warner Cable and Charter who merged and Charter runs the... Um, sort of distribution for the Dodger network. Well, now it should be like an easy fix that where they can come together, but it's still like a company operating in its best interest for profit. And Meg James in the LA times sort of summarized this. Um, it, the, her, her thing was, um, said AT&T is not expected to pick up Sportsnet LA after it buys time Warner, according to two people familiar with the situation who were not authorized to discuss it. And then, um, now, it, she mentioned, too, that the Time Warner purchase added to AT&T's, quote, staggering debt load, and analysts expect that AT&T will be looking to slash costs, not add new ones. So it's not as easy as just saying, well, now we're under the same roof because they're not really technically still, and it's still like a business operating, trying to justify every cost. Um, and the the, theor- the thinking is that the what the Dodgers um, what want or the, what Charter wants to care for to carry the network is too pricey from a, a network or from a carrier perspective. So that there is sort of the same boat as it was, um, even though this sort of merger is going to happen. So it's still pretty depressing uh, for Dodgers fans. So not going to happen. And now questions from Craig, and he's going to cover our uh, our baseball question or baseball card question of the week as well coming oh, nice. in the, the, the middle here i was just thinking we should get a we should get a um uh a, what's it called a uh a theme song for craig That'd be I, fun. i've thought about it i, yeah. I talked to my brother see if he can he can work one out it'd have to be very sort of uh <laughs> uh dreamy kind of like light it, it's it's a good way to end the episode it makes me happy so i agree question the first will justin turner reach 10 home runs before two other dodgers have hit 20 home runs okay yes. so you, I, I agree with you. So look, just to lay this out there now, Justin Turner right now has two home runs. Um, he missed the first 40 games of the year with a wrist thing. The um, With a wrist. That's right, with a wrist. Um, so the Dodgers right now, Max Muncy, of course, leads them like everyone predicted. Um, and then <laughs> he has 13 home runs. <laughs> Cody Bellinger and Matt Kemp have 12. Uh, Yasmani Grandal has 11 and Kiki has 10, which Kiki is it, still pretty amazing because it's not, not – it's not – part-time but it's not every day that he plays so he's still up there so they have five guys with 10 and it's uh before the halfway point so the closest one needs seven home runs before to get to 20 before turner had, adds eight so yeah i agree with you uh, craig said will two guys get to 20 i say no i think turner beats them snow cones single flavor or give me as many as i want oh uh, syrups on the ice so this is an old little league treat obviously um uh, I just on the record, shaved ice is way better than snow cones. Okay, but isn't it like generally like the same thing? Like it's under the same yeah, umbrella. Snow cones are are much harder packed ice. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. Um, I 
man, I I would My probably the same for both. I would probably go with multiple flavors. I was I was a I don't like this now in like sodas, but like I, I used to do. I was a big fan of the suicides back in the day, where mm-hmm, you just mm-hmm. combine them all, and that works especially with the snow cones. I think where you probably have to have at least two, if not like three to four. Three or four is probably too many, but like like at least two. So like I, I'm on board with multiple flavors. Lemon lime, straight up lemon oh, lime. Oh, okay. Lemon on half, lime on half. For, for me, like it needed to be as artificial as possible. So like <laughs> it, there had to be a blue somewhere in there. I didn't, even if it was like blue raspberry, which is always like a, a mind trick. Like that's not a real raspberry, but. Well, the, yeah, uh, the things that are fake, there's like dragon's blood or something yeah. like this. What does that eat? What does that eat? Exactly. So like I, I would go for those, but yeah, uh, I, either way, snow cones are great. Over under of 10. How many World Cup matches will you watch from uh, from tomorrow? That's the twentieth mm-hmm. uh, to the final match. Uh, for the purposes of this question, twenty consecutive minutes of any point at at, at any point can, constitutes a watched game. And he says, "So here's a question: like, How focused do I have to be on those twenty minutes? Because they're going to be on a lot. Like, oh yeah, uh, at, at bars I'm at, and I'm I'll be like tuning in Wait. for you know twenty minutes. <laughs> do, you, but... do you go to bars in the morning? <laughs> Some of these games are like <laughs> super early. I I was at uh, pub trivia today in uh, Japan versus oh, all uh, right. Col- Colombia. Is that who was playing uh, okay. today? But again, I w- tw- for twenty minutes I glanced at the score and you know see. If someone scored, I glanced over. I, I have to look. So I think, um, uh, it was yeah, Japan won two to one. So starting with the twentieth, I just want to get a, a gauge of like how many actual games there are left. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I a lot, okay, and his over under was ten. Yeah. So let's just see. Uh, it goes through. Wow. So wow, twenty. Good God! Um, oh, so just group play goes for nine more days. Yeah, yeah. So it's. it's I think it's got to be over. It'll for be me. over. I I, mean, I love soccer, football. I love putting it on, kind of, sort of in the background. It's a great sport yeah. for that. It's a it's a great background noise sport, but also like you're right, having it on, you're going to pay attention roughly like to it enough. At to, least starting you know, in, in the quarters, you know. So that yeah, and so like for sh- I would say for sure seven. Which for if you sure, watch quarters on that's seven games, right? Four, yeah. Two, so yeah. So like, I, I think for sure over over yeah. ten. Over it is. Yeah. Question the fourth, first addition to the twenty five man roster, the Dodgers twenty five man roster, who is currently not in the Dodger organization. Will oh. that happen before or after July fourth? Who's currently not in? The, it has to be after July fourth. We're already at the nineteenth of June. Uh they could certainly trade for someone or like they just signed or trade or yeah. Signing someone. They signed like Drew Hutchison to a minor league deal. Um, but it has to be on the 25 man roster. First addition to the 20 first person to make the 25. Well, I know I'm just saying like, but so right, like right, he, right. he's a guy who's like, who, who's the kind of guy who would fit this. Like sure. if they sign him tomorrow sure you, you heard and, then, and then eventually call him up. So like, but I still think it's after the fourth. I'll go before Ooh. July 3rd. It's going to happen. Nice. This is so. This is our baseball pack. I still have baseball packs, but uh, Craig asked it for us, and I like this question. Uh-huh. Um, the 1989 Topps All Star Rookie Team. Um, Bob Guerin was the catcher. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Winning, winning manager okay. <laughs> this morning. Current, Bob Guerin. Yeah, current Dodger bench coach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you name four other players on that team? Wow. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have so I have the team in front of me. The one, uh, the one for those for the listeners who do not know, uh, uh, it's a all star all star rookie. So it's one for every position, which is three outfielders, uh, the rest of the offensive positions, a right handed pitcher and a left handed pitcher. And then so and this is for the year nineteen eighty nine, not the baseball card eighty nine, right? I I am fairly sure that's how it works. Okay, so I have to go. To, I'll start with. I feel like I there's probably someone who's obvious. Oh, okay. So Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. So a player named to in this case the 1989 All Star Rookie Team will had a 1990 okay good tops baseball card trip. So Ken Griffey Jr. is my first pick. Uh, he was going to give you a hint that says one of them is a as uh, a Hall of Famer. Okay, and you were correct. One outfielder is Ken Griffey Jr. Um, to give you an idea. I have heard of <laughs> one, two, three. Four, six of these. Players. Oh God! Okay, 
Um, and then I would say, uh, well, Jerome Walton won NL Rookie of the Year, so I'll go with him. Uh, there you go. Um, you have two outfielders. Okay, and then this is where it gets tricky because I don't remember who won the American League Rookie of the Year. Oh, wait, but let me think. No, okay, Ruben Sierra was not a rookie. Um, oh, my God. And then so Frank Thomas, I think, was drafted that year or maybe made his debut in 90. So he, he had the – no, in 1990 he had the weird – he had the the – the tops card, but he was wearing an Auburn uniform because he was just their number one pick. So not him. Um, oh, okay. And then, damn it. Uh, I think Biggio played in 88, and he, oh, he already said one Hall of Famer, so it's not Biggio. Oh, my God. Um, this is kind of torture. Uh, Roberto Alomar played in 88. So what about Sandy Alomar? Uh, no. Damn. Okay. Sandy Armour was 1990. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you some uh, uh, some hints here. Okay. The right-handed pitcher was for the Kansas City Royals. Um. Okay. I don't know how much of a hint that is. Um. <laughs> okay, he no he played he played for the Royals long enough that that's a hint I think. What is it, Kevin Apier? No. Is it Jeff D'Amico? <laughs> it is not. Oh uh, my he, god! Uh, this Jeff, is a person wait. who started as a starter. Jeff uh, Russell, but is probably more known as a very good closer. Uh, is it is it Montgomery? Nope. Not Jeff Russell. He, or perhaps he's best known to to Dodger fans as a father. Oh jeez. Okay. Well, now now that like throws me off because I can't. Uh, father yeah. of D Gordon, Tom oh, Flash Gordon. Flash. Okay. Nice. Okay. A uh, left-handed pitcher for the California Angels. Oh, that's Jim Abbott. There you go. See? Yeah. All right. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll give you that one. Yeah. Uh, the shortstop, <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, uh, Pat Listash. Nope. No. Oh, Gary Sheffield. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. Okay. So that's, that's, uh, that's so I'll finish them off now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now we're getting to the, the harder names. Uh, Carlos Martinez was at first. Greg Jeffries at second. Ah. Craig Worthington, oh, uh, third base. Uh, uh, Greg Breeley and uh, uh, as an outfielder, and that's it. that's the team. You name the rest. So. Okay, good. I got the there important names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the show. Wow. It, it kind of ended. It ended. Uh, not, you know, we we went through a lot tonight. I think we did. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we will. Dodgers are on the road this week. Then they're back home. They they like we're going to talk a lot about Cubs games. I think by next week because <laughs> they they finish up a series on Wednesday in Chicago and then they play them for four games uh, next week. Oh, and speaking of TV, uh, I think three of those four games are on ESPN, including. Uh, I think the Monday and Wednesday games are national games, which are not blacked out in L.A. So uh, you actually might get there to see go. some Dodger baseball pretty <laughs> soon. But anyway, yeah, so uh, going to be a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.